Hey everybody, welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and as always, looking for my good buddy, Seth Robinson. Seth, how are you? I am good. I can't believe we're in the back half of November here. I was talking to one of our colleagues last week, I think, and saying that September for me seemed like it dragged on forever. Um, hmm. It was very slow, methodical. And then since then, October went by in a flash, and now November is really flying by. I can't believe it's end of the year already. I know. I feel the same way. I feel, especially this month, November's gone really fast. Uh, and I'm not sure why that is. I, I can, Well, I attribute it sometimes to aging. I feel like every year seems to be going by faster for me. But um, but yeah, so we'll be uh, we'll be in a new year before you know it. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely this. This uh, always makes me feel like the end of the year is really coming when we, you know, are getting towards the last couple episodes that we're going to record, and yes. we're doing our IT industry outlook, which we're going to talk about today. It's it's definitely the end of the year now. Yep, it is. It's getting chilly outside, and it's yeah, it's it hasn't snowed yet. That's the only thing that that'll be another marker for me that we're we're nearing the end of the year and we're really diving into winter here. So hasn't happened yet. But, yeah, um, we had snow on Halloween. Um, I thought we sent that your way, but you must have missed it. No, we've had a couple frosts overnight. It's been that cold, so you wake up and there's you know the white sure. on the on the grass, but hasn't snow snowed. Yeah. So waiting for that. We'll see. All right. But, well, um, yeah, that's definitely a sign of fall. As is our IT industry outlook, which uh, maybe that's one reason that November has been flying by. We've been right. working on that pretty diligently for the past few weeks, uh, trying to change up the format a little bit and then also address all the international regions like we did last year. Uh, and really excited about this year's report. We brought a lot more focus to the 10 trends uh, that we develop yeah. every year. Um, and and so, so the whole report is really centered around that. And so we're just gonna give a little preview today. Uh, the report is supposed to launch in the middle of December. So people will be able to Check that out uh, in all of its glory. But today we're just going to give a little bit of a taste, a little bit of a preview. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like the format that we've uh, settled on this year um, to mix it up a little bit with focus on our 10 trends and um, some uh, some data that goes along with that, that kind of um, fills in some of the gaps in terms of uh, those trends with some numbers. So it's it's sort of exciting. One of the things that we do repeat every year is sort of taking a pulse check on how our two audiences are feeling about their business, how they're feeling about the year ahead. So by two audiences, I'm talking about obviously the IT professionals who work in technology jobs um, in any industry, and then also the our, our friends in the in the tech industry themselves. So our channel friends uh, who work in those particular types of businesses. Uh, we do individual surveys to both of those groups and try to get a sense of where how they're feeling um, about the way the year just wrapped up for them or is wrapping up and, and especially how they're feeling about the year ahead. And I uh, thought we'd talk a little bit about um, those results and then get into a couple of the trends that we decided to do a deeper dive on this year. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. So, um, all right. Sentiment. Um, I'd say for the most part, um, people are feeling pretty good. Uh, about how 2023 is wrapping up and about prospects for the year ahead. And there are some good reasons that they cite, you know, for um, that relative optimism. Um, if you are an IT professional, for instance, a lot of, you know, you're, you're in a good um, 
you're in a good technology, you're in a good role, I guess it would be a good way to put it. Um, and you've chosen sort of a career path in technology that is um, going to be pretty in demand um, and it crosses industries. So, you know, good reason to be optimistic there. You haven't kind of pigeonhole, pigeonholed yourself into one specific bucket with a choice of a tech career. There's a lot of opportunity in different industries. There's a lot of opportunity in different types of tech jobs um, from very entry level to very uh, advanced um, so that uh, so that diversity of choice um, is something to be uh, very optimistic about, I think. And it gives you options. If there's some doors that close in one area, they may open in another. And that similarly with the channel, um, you know, the tech industry is one of those that has um, weathered very well, even during the pandemic. Um, so a lot of technology companies um, did OK during those three years of, of relative hell that we all went through there. And now we're kind of two years post that. And um, and you can see that the technology industry um, is still, you know, has a lot going on for it. And we're going to talk about, you know, AI in a little bit is one of the trends this year, but there are, you know, things to get excited about in the in the industry. So, I'll, you know, I'll leave you with those. Those are the kind of the positives. Um, we've got negatives as well that we can talk about, but thought I'd let you weigh in. Yeah, I, I think it's good to see that sentiment continues to be pretty positive. Uh, yeah. I think it's tracked pretty closely to what we've seen the past couple of years. And it's interesting that you mentioned the, the pandemic disruption, which still gets talked about some, but maybe not as much as we're getting further and further away from it. But I wonder a little bit when I'm looking at the optimism that we see, if a lot of that optimism doesn't just come from kind of exiting the pandemic and the narrative of the pandemic being that technology was the thing that kind of was driving the economy forward. And so there's this feeling that economy, that, that technology is sort of a juggernaut at this point. And the yeah. trajectory is always going to be up and to the right which over the long term is something that we agree with. But I, I think that's something that hasn't historically been the case. Even you don't have to go too far back, I think, to find that people were maybe a little more sensitive to, you know, are people going to be spending on technology this year? Are they going to be investing in new things? I think some of those things are becoming a given for a lot of, of individuals and maybe a lot of companies in the IT channel. And I, I think it's a, maybe a, a different situation than we've been in before. And so you can have this sense that things are always going to be positive, but then within that new world, there are still going to be relative scale of it, right? And so is this more positive or less positive? Are there still going to be some hiccups along the way? What does that mean for job prospects? You know, I wonder if people aren't even really thinking about it that closely anymore, just because it all seems to be driving forward, you know, so strongly. Yeah. Well, it makes me think about unintended consequences, right? So you mentioned that the tech industry is coming out of the pandemic um, sort of uh, came to the realization that it was a bit of a juggernaut, right? You know, it fared well. People were extremely reliant on it as we had to pivot and do all kinds of um, makeshift uh, things to, to stay afloat during the pandemic. But with that sense of importance and prominence, um, comes a lot of consequences that I think we didn't think about. And um, some of them are around cybersecurity, um, the stress that individuals that work in an IT professional job or even in the tech industry feel because of that over-reliance on technology is kind of running the world right now. Um, you know, that, that keeps them, you know, front and center. Um, so you can't be in the background. You can't really relax. So if you are in some of these jobs, they're highly stressful. And so those are some of the downsides. Um, also, 
you know, you think about things that are out of your control. For instance, some of the things the channel really worries about um, aren't things that they can control. So it's, you know, whether or not next year we're going to continue to be hit with uh, inflation, although that looks to be getting a little bit better, whether there be any other unexpected shock to the economy. All of those things could knock you off your kilter really quickly. Um, and I think, so some of it is, you know, when you make it to the top, sometimes that's the loneliest place, as they say. And I think we may be feeling a little bit of that in the tech industry itself and in people who are in these wonderful tech roles and jobs are feeling some of the pressure. Um, they're no longer in the back room. You know, they're much more prominent. And, and with that comes a lot of responsibility that can be daunting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's still so much potential, but exactly how that potential gets realized might be changing a little bit. And you mentioned inflation, some other kind of unexpected shock. I think that the, the the other thing that's changed a lot after the pandemic is that we're not in this zero interest rate world anymore. Yeah. And I think that that is going to take several years to fully play out through the system and for businesses to kind of get used to and start adjusting. And while I think they will continue pursuing technology, there's going to be this strategic part and this tactical part. And I think the way that they balance those two things is going to change over time. And I think the challenge for IT professionals or channel firms is going to be understanding how businesses are balancing those parts, especially if there are some additional constraints. And so there's always going to be this sense that technology is where we want to go and that's what we want to invest in. But exactly how we invest in that, how we bring all the pieces together uh, how we start doing that a little bit more responsibly, you know, either because of unintended consequences or because the financial picture has changed a little bit. I think there will be some of those challenges. Um, and, and so people might be feeling that a little bit as they move forward, even though the long-term prospects are really good. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to note what some channel companies said were, you know, reasons to be optimistic. And, and they're interesting because they're not really reasons to be optimistic. When I, when I, when I thought about them, they were improving. Um, they, were, they, were, they were improving our sales and marketing, improving our internal operations. So these are, these are actually tasks, tactical things that are incumbent upon the channel company succeeding at it in order for optimism to, you know, to actually bear fruit. So it's not external factors. And, and it's interesting that you pointed out understanding the strategic and the technical aspects of their business that are going to be have to have attention from, to both of those sides going forward. Um, so I do agree with you. There's a lot of opportunity that's out there, but I think we're seeing both on the channel side. So those running businesses and in the IG professional side, those who are trying to manage a career um, that there are a lot of levers that they are going to have to be pulling themselves up or down uh, yeah. in order to see that opportunity take fruit. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see how some of these sentiments and some of these expectations of the future play out over the next 12 months. Yeah. Um, but starting to dry, dive into our trends now, the first major trend that we wanted to highlight in the in the report was obviously artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. And we're recording this on the Monday before Thanksgiving here in the U.S. Uh, it'll it'll post on the Friday after. And we're coming off of a pretty busy weekend in AI, where OpenAI just you know fired the board, fired the CEO, and then Microsoft picked him up. And there's just been a lot of shuffling and industry focus on that over the weekend. And we're not going to dive into that too much on this episode, maybe a little bit more next time when we do our year in review. But for artificial intelligence next year, generally speaking, whether it's coming from you know OpenAI or Microsoft or Google or whoever it might be, 
I, I think we are expecting the hype to die down a little bit. It's just been a huge media story. And I think that part of the reason that the hype might die down is that a lot of the generative AI application so far has been kind of at the consumer level or maybe even the individual level. And I don't think it's making it into that enterprise workflow, you know, quite as dramatically. That will continue next year. I think we will we'll, we'll see workflows evolving. We'll see a lot of the enterprise application. I don't think that's going to be as whiz-bang as some of the past year has been. So the hype might die down, but AI is definitely going to continue transforming workflow and job roles and business in general. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we may see the, the the volume level on the hype come down, but the actual activity level of what's going on with the AI is going to ramp up, I think. We just might not be hearing about it as loudly. And I think a lot of that has to do with it's, um, very much its consumer newness right now. And, and right now in, on both sides of the fence, our IT pro side and our channel side, it's really a period of experimentation. Um, I think of it back to when we first saw the cloud computing sort of come to fore. Um, tons of hype, um, obviously, tons of apprehension and what does this mean and how is this going to, you know, and we're still sorting that out, you know, 10 years plus later or more than. Um, we're still trying to figure that out, although you companies are, are much more settled on, on how they're going to be using cloud and how they are using cloud. And I anticipate that that's going to be very similar with AI, which could be even more explosive, I, I believe. But for now, I, I would say we're definitely in an exploration, research, kind of tinkering phase um, that's going to play out, I would say, almost all the way through 2024 and beyond. Um, they're going to be cutting edge companies that are using AI to do things um, you know, very much uh, in an active role in their business. But I think most companies are going to be playing with this right now, trying to figure out um, the best way to use it. And, and in one area, you know, if you're speaking specifically for the channel, what we've learned is AI, like some of the other emerging techs, if we want to go back to that terminology that we've talked about, are really not a product in and of themselves. They're really kind of a piece of technology or functionality um, a very important piece that can be used within another, uh, you know, product, um, sort of an enabling technology. And, and that has a huge implications for businesses in the channel who are thinking, how can I sell this? How can I monetize this? There isn't an easy answer right now. It's not like they're, you know, taking a, an AI thing and it's a box and they're going to go sell it to customers. So they've got to figure that out. Um, in the meantime, I think the best use that we're seeing from channel firms is learning how to use AI to run their business better internally. And that's one of the trends that we have. So applying some of the AI technology to running the business more efficiently, um, running it more predictably so they can make better, better decisions around sales and marketing campaigns or better decisions around um, financial um, uh, things that they're uh, attempting to do. So I think right now, again, experimentation phase, more um, pilot projects. Um, and maybe after another 12 months or so, we may see more um, actual out in market type things. But um, right now, I think we're playing around with it. Yeah. And you mentioned before that we collected a lot more data around each of these trends this year. And I was really glad that we did for all the trends. But this one in particular, from the IT pro and the end user perspective, kind of showed that the even the hype that we've had over the past year doesn't necessarily match current adoption. Um, so you've got I think it's around a third of the firms that we surveyed said that they're kind of aggressively pursuing AI right now. 
And that probably includes a large chunk of firms that have been pursuing AI back before ChatGPT launched and we got right. into this generative AI hype cycle uh, because AI can come in so many forms. And, and so I think that we can see in the data that generative AI didn't just come in like a storm and every company is trying to you know, get their claws into it and figure it out. I think a lot of people are looking at it, but in terms of like aggressively pursuing and trying to weave it into their technology stack, I don't think that's quite as high as people might expect if they've been reading headlines over the past 12 months. And I think your point about it being an enabling technology and it getting woven into a technology stack is really important. We've talked for years about the changing nature of solutions. And, and I think in the IT industry, that word is a little bit charged. We've been using that word for a while. Yeah. And you can see people that say, oh, I, I sell solutions. I don't just sell a product, I sell solutions, but they've kind of just swapped out the word solution for product. You know, they're still just selling a package. And I think when we look at solutions broadly these days, we're seeing technical initiatives coming together that have many different components. And in order to make that initiative happen for your client or for your company, if you're working inside of an organization, you have to pull all of these things together. It's not just going out and swiping your credit card and getting you know, a stand-up cloud solution or a piece of software as a service. And so I think that is what will continue to develop over the next year is that you know, AI will become more and more important, but it will become important as part of a broader solution that people are trying to implement. Yeah, I think it's it's one tool in the toolbox, right? And um, it could be a very important tool, it could be the tool, but it is one in, in the toolbox. And I think it speaks to... Um, specifically for the channel is really going beyond the concept of solutions, as you just said, as being a bunch of products that you kind of stitch together and really being um, a business solution, meaning that you as a channel company understand what your client's business goals are and needs and talk in that language. And then you make the technology fit that so that you can help them achieve their goal. That's kind of in the holy grail of, you know, bringing, you know, elevating your business um, and, and similarly for an internal IT department, same thing. What is the mission? What is the business mission here? And how can we apply all these tools and, and, and technology, you know, whiz bang uh, elements to it? Um, but thinking more about um, the business goal than thinking about whatever the technology, you know, tool specifically is, whether that's AI or something else. Yeah. So the last topic that we wanted to hit on today that we've got a couple trends in the report covering is cybersecurity. Uh, and the, the first trend is around both cybersecurity and data, talking about how governance is probably going to become much, much more important over the next 12 months. And we don't see a lot of companies that have governance very high on their priority list. And I think this comes from kind of a historic view of thinking of governance as what you do if you're trying to comply with regulations. And so if you're in healthcare, if you're in finance, then you probably have a lot of governance in place as you're trying to comply with HIPAA or PII or whatever it might be. But I think that governance is going to start to be viewed more broadly. And it, it will still be compliance because there's going to be a lot of regulations that don't just apply to those typical industries but they apply to any way of doing digital business. We've been talking about that for a while now. And I think that compliance in general is something that a lot more companies have to pay attention to, but governance extends beyond compliance to just talk about the way that you're running this operation. And I think in the areas of infrastructure and software development, 
we already have a decent amount of governance. You can see something like DevOps or something like ITIL that kind of defines best practices for how you would run that discipline within your organization. We don't have that as much yet for cybersecurity and data. I think there's kind of some piecemeal frameworks out there, uh, but there needs to be, you know, especially for both of these fields that are becoming critically important to maintaining your digital operations there have to start being a little bit more discipline around it, a little bit more rigor in following best practices and having a way to measure whether you're doing the right thing or not. So we're expecting that governance will become a lot more important in the fields of cybersecurity and data management. So who do you think is going to take up the mantle for this? I mean, is you know governance in those two areas, um, data management and cybersecurity, is that something that the industry would drive standards around? You know, similar to other industries like manufacturing that has its own set of standards, is it something that the government itself would get involved in, or is it in or can governance be with a lowercase g, just something that's within their own organization? We have our own little governance rules for how we, you know, how we handle these disciplines. Um, or a combination of both. It seems to me that maybe are both more than I said three things. So a combination of all. Yeah, um, it's probably it's probably an all of the above, right? Yeah. That, um, that there will be standards that begin to get formed. Again, there are already some out there, and some of those will probably, you know, grow in adoption. Some of them will probably expand the scope of what they're looking at in the standard. And you know, over time, like with all standards. Um, the, the economy and the market will kind of drive adoption of the main ones and, and allow those to be the, the big ones that are defining how companies do their operations. Um, internally, I think there's going to be a lot of work, not necessarily defining, uh, you know, okay, we need this person running governance now. But I think as these two areas both mature, you're going to have these expert level, you know, employees or individuals, you know, maybe getting up to like an architect type of level. Uh, and they will be naturally part of that job will be defining here's how we do business. Um, whereas right now, I think it's a little bit more tactical, right? Like we need to do these initiatives within cybersecurity. We need to try to stand up this type of data analysis. But how all the pieces work, that's something that probably comes later for you know a lot of companies. And then government is definitely going to get involved with defining the the laws and regulations that have to be adhered to, um, and um, and also kind of setting setting parameters you know for 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 how companies think about doing digital business and and how they start to think about some of those second order effects that you mentioned earlier. Yeah. This uh, that's it, kind of a nice dovetail with uh, the other part of you know the other trend within cybersecurity as it relates to the channel. But as we talk about governance, I, um, for years we've been saying you know that um, expertise in compliance issues was a really good opportunity area for channel businesses who decided to become HIPAA experts or well, some other you know compliance financial compliance rules. And many channel companies haven't dove into that because it's very difficult. Um, but if you do become, you know, a specialist in that area, you can make a lot of money, frankly. Um, and maybe in these areas of governance and best practices across different disciplines like cybersecurity and data management, you know, those are other areas that you can shine in if you choose to make that part of your business or all of your business and go in and help, you know, end customers who don't know what don't know what they don't know. Um, and, and so it speaks to the other trend that we had was that 
cybersecurity in particular is an area we've talked about for years as being you know, super important to the channel. All our data bears out that this is what their customers need. Um, this is where you know, probably the biggest technology focus for their business should be right now. And more than ever, we're seeing that again this year. And we're going to continue to see that. And there's a gap though. There's a sort of a chasm between um, the need and the skills that many channel companies have right now. And they haven't bridged that gap. And this is the year that I think that most companies who really want to get serious about cybersecurity have to understand that they're going to have to make the investments to become fluent um, across their organization in cybersecurity technology skills and not just the basics around AV and firewall and the types of very base level services that you would offer your customers, but at a much higher level, sophisticated zero trust kind of approach that we talk about a lot to cybersecurity that involves all of the different um, underpinnings of that. Um, and then also being able to extend that fluency to their staffs in general be, beyond the techno technology um, group that works for them, but that it would include sales and marketing teams that understand how to talk about cybersecurity to customers in a potential sale situation or in the marketing material that they put out there. Um, so it's really, I think, a full court press if the channel wants to get serious about cybersecurity um, as it should be and bridge that gap that we've been seeing for years now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the skills question is obviously one that applies to everybody, right? Everyone's fighting over a lot of skills in both yeah. cybersecurity and data. Uh, and there's a supply demand equation that is not going to be balanced for a long time now. I think one of the things that makes it especially interesting for the channel is this notion of playing a more strategic role that I, I think is a little bit of a new muscle for the channel to exercise, even in some of the pieces that are a little bit more traditional, right? So like, I'd be curious, you know, on, on your take on this, but my, my sense is that even for networking or infrastructure, a lot of channel firms have maybe typically acted as a virtual network engineer, but maybe not a virtual network architect, like really planning out, okay, this is what it looks like and this is why it's this way and this is how we're gonna balance between cloud infrastructure and on-prem infrastructure, you know, making all those decisions. I think they come in and run it or mm -hmm. sell product but they maybe haven't had the opportunity to be strategic. And maybe part of that is because their clients aren't asking for it, but I think that demand is, is growing. And I think we're going to see particular growth in demand around these newer areas of cybersecurity and data that, that just doing the tactics isn't going to be enough because there has to be so much new investment here. Companies are going to be asking for that strategic part. And, and so, not only just you know kind of fighting over you know these uh scarce skills in the marketplace but developing this strategic arm and strategic approach with their clients is what makes it really interesting for the channel yeah it's like the difference between being a, a game managing type quarterback or tom brady just to bring him into the conversation um you know and calling audibles and you know and really you know being somebody who can call your own play and I know that's a silly football analogy, but it, it, you're right. There are so many channel companies whose role to date has been to manage the network of their that has already been put in place. And they didn't have any decision making on some of the pieces and how that architecture was going to look and what the environment was going to look like and what percentage of it was on prem and what percentage was in the cloud. They're simply called into the game to take it over and make sure that it keeps running OK. Um, 
the real channel farms that are going to rise in the in the year ahead are those that do become more strategic and are making those base level decisions or in the moment decisions um, that are going to be critical to helping their customers. And those would include cybersecurity decisions, obviously, and they would need the skill set for that. But it also runs across all other disciplines as well. So I think you're 100 percent right um, that the the move from a, a more of a tactical management type of um approach to how they run their customers' environments is really going to have to elevate in the year ahead to a much more strategic um, role with making decisions around the types of environments that customers are going to have. Yeah. Well, that is probably a good place to wrap things up for one, because I think we've summarized some of the, the key highlights of the report, but for another, because it's been forever since you've mentioned Tom Brady. And so now that you've gotten an opportunity to do that on Bali, I think I we can know. wrap this episode up. So. Yeah, we have to. Hey, listen, our patron Patriots are doing so poorly this year. I just had to invoke his name just to get, make myself feel better. Yeah. But, well, I hope that worked for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, hey. Well, yeah, like I said before, uh, this report is going to launch in mid-December, so everyone can pay attention to CompTIA's website uh, for the report to come out and see all the rest of the trends that we're going to talk about, which we may end up highlighting a little bit in some future episodes. But uh, for now, this has been a good one. And thanks, as always, to our producer, Andrew McMillan. And thanks, Carolyn, for doing this uh, early on Thanksgiving week. And I will see you next time. Sounds good. Thanks.